Uh, but week three, John chapter six, we're looking at the, the identity of Jesus tonight being the bread of life. Uh, so John chapter six, and let's, just as we're transitioning here off of uh, all the, the fun and the activities, let's pray and ask for God's uh, favor on our, our study tonight. So pray with me. Our Father, we do thank you for the evening. Uh, we thank you for the privilege we have each week to come together as a group to uh, set our hearts and our minds on truth. We live in a world right now that is filled with all kinds of uh, opinions and ideologies, philosophies. Um, but what we need more than anything is truth. And we know that uh, your word is truth. And we need that to bear in our hearts tonight. And my prayer for our students would be just even as we study this and we better... Uh, understand and look into the identity of Jesus, uh, we would see how everything else in this world falls short um, and how Jesus uh, stands above everything else as the source of life that we truly need. So would you please uh, bless our time that we have these next 20 minutes to study together ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we got a lot of material here to, to work through tonight. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll read our passage, but we'll read it kind of in, in chunks as we go through it here this evening. Um, so I won't have you say and read it all together at once. Hopefully, again, you've been working in your spare time to do this on your own, to process, try to formulate some of the ideas uh, in the passage that we're studying here tonight. So uh, what I want to do just, again, for these first couple of weeks, just to get you in the, the rhythm of what you're doing on your own with answering some of those questions on the opposite page there is kind of walking through a few of those things. So uh, real quick, let's just kind of go through a couple of those uh, things on the right-hand side, some of those questions uh, that you went through this week. So uh, raise your hand, shout them out as quick as we can. We'll work through this. But here, what, what, are, what are some of the things that are said about Jesus in this passage? How is he, how is he described or how does he describe himself? Yeah. Okay, very, very simply, he's described as a bread of life. What else? Rabbi. He's described as rabbi. I like that. Yes, what else? There's a lot of different ways. Anything else? Other ways that he's described? Just those two. Yep. What's that? Sent from, sent from the Father, right? So he's a son, right? Also referred to himself in another place as son of man, right? That he has come down from heaven. Several different ways there. <clears throat> All right. Any repeated ideas or themes that we see? Words? Anything throughout this? Yes. Bread. Bread. Okay. That's going to be a very common one. Okay. That's going to be the emphasis here for sure. What else? Eternal life. Eternal life. Ooh, very good. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Believe. Believe is huge as well. Yes. My father. My father. Yep. Well, the father. Yeah. Heaven. What was it? Heaven. Heaven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Jesus. Jesus. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. It's like saying, I see the word the several times in this passage. There must be something to the article there. Yes. Good. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of promises in this passage. Not a lot of necessarily commands or, or warnings, but there are a lot of promises. What are some of those promises we see in this passage? What do you see? What are some of those things that Jesus promises in this passage? 
Yes. What's, what's your name? Okay. Anyone who comes to him will live forever. Absolutely. Very good. What else? Any other promises? Yeah. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. All right. I love it. What else? Yeah. We'll be raised up on the last day, right? Yes. He'll never cast out. All right. Perfect. You're seeing a lot of the always, forever. Uh, never type of language here, right? All those things are important. So that gets us to that last question, which is always really important that really ties things together. What are some of the reasons we're given the information? Are there any clues uh, from this uh, account that tell us why? We're looking for some of those four. So that's yeah. Okay, what verse is that? Sorry, I put you off the spot. What was the promise again? It was that you may receive mm-hmm. Okay. 29. Very good. What else? Any other so that or four statements that tell us why we have been given this information? There's several of them in that last paragraph, especially. Yeah. What's that? Okay, look at verse 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of him who sent me. And then look at verse 40 in particular. Hopefully verse 40 stood out to you. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. Right? So you hopefully have seen some of those themes reappear throughout the, the whole text here. And so then it asks basically this question, based on everything you just gathered, what we just did together here, just processing through what is in the passage, what does it mean that Jesus is the bread of life? Or as the main point is phrased there, as the bread of life, Jesus what? How did you formulate your main point based on that? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Offers us eternal life in heaven through him. I like it. That, that really captures so much of what's there. Absolutely. What else? Jesus was sent by the Father to give life to the world. I like that you're picking up on this life language. Yes. Ooh, satisfies our soul. I love that you use the word satisfies because that was actually my main, main point as well, too. We'll talk about why that's there. Yes. As a breath of life, Jesus saves all who believe in him. I like these. So you did really good this week with those main points because those capture a lot of those main ideas of believe, uh, eternal life, satisfy, right? So we're going to talk about that here tonight. So here's the main point that I'm working with, and we'll go back through, and we'll talk about what it means a little bit more. But this is what I put down for this week, and we'll process this together tonight. As the bread of life, Jesus eternally satisfies those who believe in him as the bread of life jesus eternally satisfies those who believe in him because you're going to notice in this account 
Jesus is comparing himself to physical bread. And he's showing time and time again how physical bread, though good, though essential to physical life, is limited. Right? Physical bread uh, perishes. It fades. It, it, it cannot satisfy forever. And so we're going to talk about that. And notice that he talks a lot here about eternity, about life forever with him. So that's why we're talking about eternal satisfaction, how Jesus eternally satisfies those who believe in him. So let's look at this a little bit. Uh, look with me at that first paragraph. So notice it begins in verse 22 with saying, on the next day. Now, hopefully you looked at the footnote there, but this is the next day after, ironically enough, the feeding of the 5,000, which what was part of that great feast that uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 with? What was one of the main courses? Yes. Bread. bread. Yeah, bread. What else? And fish. Yep, bread and fish. So kind of interesting that that's the backdrop for this account here. So on the next day, after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd, so there's a lot of people who were a part of this, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had been, uh, where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, notice we're going to see that language pop up again, uh, seeking, right? These people are constantly looking for something. But what we're going to find out is that this seeking that they're looking for is not necessarily uh, for the right reason. Why do you think they might be seeking after Jesus, uh, especially after this great miracle? Yeah. Yeah, they think he's going to give them more food. They think to themselves, like, man, this is a pretty good deal. Like, but especially what, what we know about the New Testament, a lot of times these Jewish people had a false understanding of who Jesus was. They thought he was going to be this... Uh, kingly figure. Uh, a lot of the Old Testament talked about the, the coming Messiah being a person who would meet these physical, tangible needs. And while that is something that Jesus will do eternally one day, um, they didn't, they, they had a misconception that Jesus was just going to be this earthly king who was going to put down the Romans and he was going to set up this really awesome uh, kingdom there and now. And so they're seeking Jesus, but we're going to find that they're doing so for more selfish reasons than uh, for God-honoring reasons. And so verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So that goes exactly to what we were just saying here. You're not seeking me because you saw the signs, which the signs were meant, the Bible says, these signs, these miracles were meant to point people to Jesus' true identity as the Son of God. He's saying, you're not really seeking me because of that reason. You're seeking me because I gave you food, because your stomachs got filled. You saw an amazing thing, and you want me to just do it again for you. That's not the reason that I've come. That's not my main purpose. Verse 27, he says, do not work for the food that perishes. Bread is, 
is great and we know that it's essential food to, to life and sustaining life. But he says, this bread that you seek, it perishes. But for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. So do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. That sounds like a pretty good deal, right? That, that sounds like pretty awesome bread that Jesus is talking about here. And so naturally, they, they ask him in response, verse 28, then uh, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What do we have to do to, to get this bread? And what Jesus says to them is not what they were thinking, right? Because they were thinking in their minds, like, okay, we got to do something. We got we to gotta earn this type of bread. Surely there's something we can do or money we can pay or whatever it may be. And Jesus' response to them is this. This is the work of God. Verse 29. Jesus answered them. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is not bread that you can buy in the market. This is not bread that you can just uh, earn because of your own labors. The only thing that you can do to receive this bread is to believe and to trust in it. Belief or faith or trust, these things are all, while it may sound like that's a work, reality is that's actually a surrender. It's a reality of saying, like, I can't earn it on my own, and I have to trust that someone's giving it to me. I'm sacrificing everything, my pride, my efforts, whatever, so that I can receive this food. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Right? They're like, well, okay, so, so what, do we, what, do you, what are you going to do that we can look at and we can trust in? What work do you perform? And they're looking for Jesus to do something similar to what Moses experienced with the Israelites in the Old Testament. Notice what he says here. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. If you're familiar again with the Old Testament there, you notice the, the footnote there talks about the background of Exodus 16. The, the, the manna was this uh, special bread, kind of this wafery sweet bread that came from heaven that God provided to sustain the Israelites in the wilderness so they didn't die of, of hunger. It was his way to provide for them. And they're like, are you, are you going to do something like that? Verse 32, Jesus then said, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Uh, Jesus is starting to put a little bit more substance to what he's talking about here. This bread is not just something that they can eat. This bread is actually a person. This bread is a, a metaphor, it's a, a descriptor of a reality. And this bread gives life forever. And naturally, I would hope anybody would say this, verse 34, 
Sir, give us this bread always. If this is as good as what you say it is, if this is going to satisfy us forever, give us this bread. It's a great response. It's what I would hope any of you would say in response to that. And so what Jesus tells them then in verse 35 is this. I am the bread of life. This bread that I am talking about, this is not just something you eat. This is a person. And this consuming is not literally eating. It is believing, right? He goes on to say here, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's why this main point here, I think this idea of satisfying is so important, right? Because when we eat food, we quench our hunger, or when we drink water or beverage, whatever it is, it quenches our thirst. Jesus is saying there is something deeper in your hearts and your souls. There is a spiritual hunger. There is a spiritual thirst. That only I can satisfy. And it is only he who comes to me. Or she who believes in me. Who will have that satisfaction. Verse 36. But I said to you. That you have seen me. And yet you do not believe. Their biggest hiccup is the fact that. They're not believing. They're not trusting. They're not casting themselves upon Jesus. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will, notice he says here, never cast out. That's that eternal language again. If anyone comes to me, guess what? I will never cast him out. If he is mine and they belong to me, then they'll know me forever. They'll be satisfied forever. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. I mean, think about that for a moment. Um, I don't know everybody in this room. There's a lot of new faces, and I'm very thankful for that. Some of you I've known for a really long time. But I've been around students enough to know that you're in a stage of life where you're searching for satisfaction somewhere. And some of you, you get satisfaction, you get fulfillment from friendships, relationships. Some of you, that satisfaction, you look for it in social media and and influence and follower, whatever you want to call it. Some of you look for uh, satisfaction to come from uh, your peers or your school through your uh, athletic abilities or your performance or your grades, right? Like these are the things that you look for satisfaction. But the reality is, you know, as well as anyone that those things do not last. 
You know that maybe one day it, it, it might meet your needs, but then the next day it's taken away very quickly. Something happens and there's a void there. And that's because God designed us so that we would ultimately find satisfaction not in the things of this world, but in him. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world. So that all those things that you are prone to wander after and to seek satisfaction in, you would cast away. And that you would see Jesus as the true source of life that can only satisfy your soul forever. And that doesn't mean that life will be perfect, right? Ask anybody who's followed Jesus for any length of time. That doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. But it does mean that when you are going through those hard times, you have a joy that is content in Christ, even though the things of this world may be turned upside down. And so I really want to encourage you tonight, students, if if you have been looking for, for joy and contentment and satisfaction in all the wrong places, then perhaps you need to find it in Christ. Perhaps you've been neglecting that. Perhaps like the crowds in this story, you've been really close to Jesus. You've, you've come to church. You've been around the Bible. You, you've heard preaching and teaching and been around Christian friends, but you're not believing. That's what Jesus said to them. You've, you've seen these things, but you, you're not believing. That's his call to you tonight. That's what he is saying, and he has promised you that if you would forsake all those other things and trust in him, you would find the very thing that would satisfy your soul, not just in this life, but also in the one to come. I put a footnote there at the bottom about how you could keep reading in the story to see how it ends. I don't know if anybody did that this week, but it's such a fascinating ending to the story. I want to just read for you a little bit of how this story goes on and what Jesus says. Obviously, there's a lot more that we could read in verses 41 to 59, but I want to pick up with you down in verse... You know, obviously, you don't have this unless you have your Bibles. If you want to look it up, you certainly can. But I want to go to verse... Oh, let's see here. earlier verse 43 do not grumble among yourselves no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day now in verse 47 truly truly I say to you whoever believes has eternal life I am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and guess what they died this is the bread that comes down from heaven So that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He goes on to talk about how his flesh, his blood, these things have been offered for your very life. He gave up his own life. Was willing to go to the cross to die on behalf of your sins. Sacrificing his own life so that you, in return, 
would have eternal life. And if that's something that you want, if that's something that you are starting to see that you need to eternally satisfy your soul, then the response is pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. It says it multiple times in this passage. Forsake everything else that you are pursuing in this world and believe and trust in Jesus Christ. So let me pray, and I'm going to get you to your group so you can process this a little bit more tonight. So let's do that. Father, thank you for tonight, and thank you for these students and their attention. Thank you for the work that they're putting in to, to study each week to better understand this identity of Jesus, which is so complex and yet so rich. Uh, so help us, Lord, to see Jesus as truly the bread that satisfies us eternally. We need that in a world that is filled with all kinds of substitutes and fillers that can never actually satisfy. Lord, we want to see Jesus as truly the ultimate source of life. So uh, help our students to process that. Do the work in their hearts that we know that you alone can do. And we know that you will be glorified in doing so. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>